Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip King Lowe, the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. The Autism Society of Minnesota has been serving Minnesota's autism community for the past 50 years. Visit them online at AUSM.org. I want to share with my listeners something that I recently wrote. My identity is that I am autistic. Autism is my wiring in good working order. Being autistic is not a burden for me. Autism is my gift. Being autistic is my life. I don't need my autism to be fixed or cured. What people view as normal is what needs to be cured. I own, produce, and host today's Autistic Moment because I support all autistic adults to discover what amazing people we really are. I want us to be informed about the many issues we deal with, discover our barriers, and recognize our tools and strengths to advocate for ourselves. I believe the dignity of being autistic is worth perceiving and celebrating. That is why today's autistic moment is so important to me. My website and the various opportunities are there to help sustain the work and dialogue today's autistic moment is creating. That is why today's autistic moment is and always will be completely free for everyone who wants to listen. At no point will a subscription be required for anyone to listen to this podcast. I am going to begin offering subscriptions to listeners who want to build a community to support and sustain the crucial work of today's Autistic Moment. Beginning on July 25th, look for the new subscriptions and bonuses page on todaysautisticmoment.com to find the following offers. Regular monthly support subscriptions for $1 a month. Monthly supporters can choose to have their names published on our general supporters patron page. The next level is contributor subscriptions for $5 a month. Contributors can choose to have their names published on our general supporter patrons page and receive newly published episodes and the new monthly moments newsletter by email. Monthly moments newsletter will have news from me about the progress of today's Autistic Moment, including the ways in which the podcast is helping autistic adults based on some email responses I am getting, news about upcoming shows, guest bios, exciting items in the store, and my personal newsletter blog. The next level is podcast planning partner subscription that is $15 a month. Podcast planning partners will receive everything from the previous subscriptions plus a free high-quality ballpoint pen and stylus sent directly to you. You will also get a VIP invitation to attend the new monthly live virtual meetings with me starting in July to talk about how you were enjoying the show, give some feedback as to how to make it better, Suggest topics, future guests, and questions you think I should ask future guests on the show. In short, you become part of the decision-making for today's Autistic Moment at no additional cost. There is one additional bonus for this level of subscription that will be mentioned in the next and last subscription offer. The last subscription offer is called the Podcast Planner Plus Free Pass subscription and is $25 a month. 
This subscription will get you everything from the previous offers, plus one really exciting bonus. I am going to begin planning special live virtual events with some of my featured guests from previous and future podcast shows. One example would be a live meeting with Samuel J. Levine, a law professor at Turo College in New York. Samuel was the guest on Autistic Adults and Justice in Employment. Those who attend events such as these will be able to talk and ask questions directly to the guests. You will get to meet some of these amazing people and receive the best advice you can get. There will be a general cost of $10 to attend each of these events that are planned. If you subscribe as a podcast planning partner, you will get to attend special planned events for only $5. If you subscribe as a podcast planner plus free pass, you will be able to attend any special events planned at no additional charge. Once again, these subscription offers will be available on the new subscriptions and bonuses page starting Friday, June 25th. Be sure to visit todaysautisticmoment.com to view the new and upcoming episodes that are on the new podcast episodes page. All published episodes are available to download and listen to on the episode index page. Program scripts and interview transcripts are available. Interview transcripts are sponsored by GT Independence. Today's Autistic Moment continues our celebration of Pride Month 2021 with this episode, Autistic Adults Are Diverse Gender Identities. Gender is a topic that has captivated human beings throughout history. Gender is fundamental to who we are, what is expected of us, and unfortunately, what rights and privileges we do or do not get, and whether or not those rights are protected. In addition to the issue of gender, there is race, sexual orientation, gender identity expression, religion, language, and disability. These are not the only parts of our human existence about which our human rights are socially and politically vulnerable. Sadly, human history is full of examples of what happens when what makes one group of people different from an alternative group of people becomes the industrial and political capital for one majority to stigmatize and marginalize any minority. Autistic, transgender, and non-binary individuals are part of our celebration of LGBTQIA Pride Month. There is a great ocean, if you will, of wonders to be discovered in the neurodiversity of people who are not of the gender they were assigned at birth. The only way we can better come upon those wonders is to listen to the stories of autistic, transgender, or non-binary individuals without any value judgment on our part. N.C. Tanner is a recently diagnosed autistic adult. N.C. is transgender, black, queer, and Jewish. Enzi is a licensed social worker and community organizer. Enzi has been a strong advocate for the human rights for people of color, LGBTQ plus individuals, and other minority groups. I am so excited to have Enzi Tanner as my guest today. After this first commercial break, I will begin my interview with Enzi Tanner. Stay tuned. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, 
and tune in. life be great if everything fell in place. Sometimes our lives need a little rearranging. One of the most challenging times is when we experience a major transition, such as job exploration, moving to a new place, or simply when you are defining your path in life. During these challenging times, individuals can feel like there's a great river between you and where you want to go. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps carve a path to the destination that's right for you. Then lay the stepping stones so you can accomplish your goals. Visit us at lookingforwardlc.org for more information. Today's Autistic Moment presents this very important public service announcement. The 4th of July is coming up in a few weeks. July 4th isn't the best day for many autistics and other neurodivergent people and individuals with PTSD because of the fireworks. The sound of fireworks can be a terrible trigger for the auditory sensory processing needs of many autistics. If you are affected by the sound of fireworks, wear your noise-canceling headphones to decrease the volume of fireworks noise and or find a safe space where you can fidget or do something to distract you. If you are a caregiver of an autistic person of any age who is affected by such sounds, please do not make them attend the fireworks as the brightness of the lights and the loud noise from them can have serious repercussions. Let them wear noise-canceling headphones without saying negative things to your autistic individuals who react to these sounds. They are not pretending, nor do they need to be made to feel that they are doing something wrong. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. Welcome back. And now it is my distinct honor to introduce NC Tanner as we discuss autistic adults, our diverse gender identities. NC Tanner, thank you so much for being on this episode of today's Autistic Moment. I am so very grateful to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Very happy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am particularly happy to have you as we are celebrating uh, Pride Month in June 2021. And I'm, I'm so excited because I want to talk about our um, diverse genders. Um, as we were talking before we started the interview, um, I have noticed that whenever I've been uh, either online or in meetings or among other autistics um, that there seems to be a lot of autistics who are identifying as transgender or non-binary, um, genderqueer and, and other such things. And as I've said in many of my announcements leading up to this, you are an individual that crosses many differences. There's your neurodiverse, your neurodiversity, there's your race, there's your religious, you know, all you cross all of those differences. And so I am really honored to have you on this episode because I really want uh, the autistic community and those who are, who are not autistic to really hear some of what you have to say with regards to this topic of transgender and even race and of course neurodiversity. And so, um, having said all that, um, I, I really am going to appreciate, as will my listeners appreciate, what you have to share today. So I want to begin with what important information do autistic adults and our caregivers need to know about when it comes to our diverse gender identities? And please feel free to share some of 
your thoughts as to what your journey has been uh, in this time for you? Because you were just diagnosed as an autistic, right? Right. Yeah, I was. Uh, the evaluation was May twentieth, so the official diagnosis came May twenty sixth. Um, and that's such a great question. What What are some of the things that 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 adult autistics or our caregivers um, should know about diverse gender identities because um, I haven't had much time to think about that question. I mean, I saw it when you sent it, right? Um, but typically I try to, I've thought about questions like this my whole life. Um, and this whole autistic thing is very new to me, um, even though it makes perfect sense. Um, right. So, but what I will say is, is really, uh, when I think about my journey particularly, um, it's fascinating. I, I <clears throat> we often have the narrative of, or hear the story that trans people often don't feel at home in their bodies. Um, and for me, that was never the case. I always felt odd or different or strange, and I can never put my finger onto it. Um, at one point I was like, oh, maybe it's because um, I have a different upbringing. I was being raised by my dad and my mom wasn't there. That wasn't the case for most kids in my community. Um, or, you know, I, I thought it was because I was a lesbian. Um, and then I found out I wasn't a lesbian and that I was trans. And then I was like, no, this is when I thought it was because I was gay. Um, I think it's not because I'm autistic. Um, but thinking through the ability to be home in your own body um, and to be home in your own mind is very difficult in a society um, that tells you that your mind is broken um, and a society that tells you that your body is broken um, is really difficult. And so the biggest thing that I will say one to caregivers is, is love um, and total acceptance and total acceptance um, really isn't dependent upon any behaviors of anyone. Um, it means total acceptance um, and allowing people to be themselves. Um, I have young people in my life that's been in my life for a while who, when they were little, identified as trans and wasn't sure. And I was like, yo, be you. I'm going to respect and support you no matter what. And when they got older and said, actually, I think I'm, that's not who I am. I was like, cool, be you. And so part of that, I say that to say is that part of it is also allowing folks to figure out and to be in who they're like to be themselves and to be who they are, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. So you recently learned that you are autistic, but so I get the feeling that you probably had wondered about that for quite a long time too. And um, would you share with what that might has been like for you, and if you if you're able to to talk any about about how that has been, um, how you've been working with that um, in light of your gender diversity? Yeah, yeah. So I I will say that I I didn't think that I was possibly autistic for a long time. Um, it's, it's fascinating. My, a friend of mine, I'm actually pointing this out, and I think it's actually a part of my autism, that as soon as I figure something out, I like go head in, especially around my identity, to figure out as much as I can mm. to confirm or, or affirm. So um, I used, so I, I was diagnosed in 2011, 2012 with a nonverbal learning disability. Um, okay. And so I used to especially because I didn't know, um, it's a shame, I was a mental health case manager at the time, but I didn't know much about um, the autism spectrum. And so I foolishly thought of it as a spectrum, the way we think of gender as a spectrum, as in from one end to the next, as opposed to um, something else. So I used to joke, and not, well, joke, because I felt off. Um, and so I was like, I bumped right up against the spectrum but I'm not autistic, it's just not possible. Um, and so for me, it was, 
I just never, never thought about it. Um, a friend of mine, when I came out on Facebook as autistic, said, oh, I thought you knew that. Um, and I just thought it was something that you wasn't, that you just didn't tell people, um, which, which was fascinating because I'm like, I'm an open book. Um, that's something that mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would hide, but, but also it was one of those things that I was like, I wish that you mentioned that um, because I, I just, I, I, I didn't know. I have um, a nephew who is autistic um I'll say that um and then I have little people in my life um who who aren't so little anymore but who are um getting older and older um but it just never never crossed my mind um and I think part of the gender identity piece though the where it relates to it is um well one the, the the parallel story I will say that I knew nothing about trans anything um, up until I was maybe 20 something, I was out of, uh, I went to a, 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 I used to be an evangelical Christian. Um, I went to uh, a, a Southern Baptist undergrad um, and I did ex-gay stuff. Um, and so I, I was involved in reparative and ex-gay um, programming. Um, and so I didn't, just didn't know anything about trans anything. Um, but as soon as I was found out about trans stuff, I was like, oh, oh, this is who I am. This is exactly who I am. Um, and I, I started doing research. Um, and eventually within months changed my name um, because it was one of those things where once I figure out it's definite. Um, and so with being autistic and with even with gender, it was like one of those, hmm. Let me say this, I think. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know that I would be trans if I wasn't autistic. Um, I think I recently heard that term of autogender, um, which uh, refers to how your autism impacts the way you understand your gender. Um, and that really resonated with me. Um, it's not the same as a gender identity, um, but it resonated a lot with me because um, for me, particularly around most of who I am, I don't know if that would be the case without being autistic. Um, with becoming Jewish, becoming Jewish was a very long process. Uh, Judaism was not just a religion, it's, it's much more complex than that, um, but it's also a year of studying. And um, I was involved in the synagogue and hadn't thought that I was even, like just hadn't processed my mind. Um, and then as soon as it crossed my mind about becoming Jewish, I like dug straight into that. And it became a special interest of mine. Um, and so I'm mindful that the trans person that I am, the <laughs> queer person that I am, the Jewish person, so much of who I am um, is mixed up in being autistic um, because of the way I really dig deep into it and, and researched. Um, researched. I mean, I, I do gender um, diversity and gender inclusion trainings um, because of... of um, the passion of, of people being able to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are great answers. And uh, if I may interject a little bit with my own personal stories here, I too have uh, spent some time as a conservative Christian, as conservative Catholic even, and I involved myself in a Catholic ex-gay group at one point in time. So I, I totally uh, identify with that, with what that journey can be like. Um, I will, I will name, um, I'm in this, we don't have to process this now, but I've, I've processed it and often thought of how, wondered how many autistics have went through on their own decision to go through reparative or escape programming. Um, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've constantly thought about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, one of the things that has been discussed by some is that the entire coming out process, whether it's about sexual orientation or gender identity, um, is very similar to what coming out as autistic can be like. They're actually quite similar for for many because there's this beginning, this, this point in which we understand ourselves. And then there's that part of which we wanna begin to change ourselves and there's that, that other piece that starts struggling with how difficult that change is and 
has to work on discerning um, how quickly or slowly we make that change because of how we do or do not work well with our routine change. Um, you know, and as long as we're here, let's let's take this into my second question, which is always, what are the barriers for autistic adults in all ages? And we're talking about some barriers about coming out. Um, I have heard it said, and perhaps you can um, reflect on this and maybe share some of your thoughts about this, but um, I know of one individual who um, made the transition from male to female. And she talks about how she always thought of herself as to be the perfect, um, you know, to be the per perfect husband and father and to make that transition to becoming a woman has been, you know, that transition to changing her gender to a woman has meant a change in that shift of thinking. And that has been a great deal of his difficulty with his transitioning. Um, maybe talk a little bit about what those, if those barriers are, have been part of you or what you understand about barriers like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, those haven't been barriers for me. I, um, you know, when it comes to trying to figure out, or I, uh, hmm. take your time. Yeah, no, I, I will. Thank you. Um, for me, when it comes to coming out um, and, and barriers of coming out, um, I, I never want so so. I'll say this, I never wanted to be a mom. Never, right. um, just never crossed my mind. Um, I, 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 yeah. Um, and so I also always wanted to be a parent. Oh. Um, and for me, I'm also, I spend most of my life trying to figure out who I am, right. trying to, to, and maybe this is this piece of, of maybe I figured out this piece. Um, but yeah. but uh, oftentimes what happens is is when I figure out what that is, I get overly excited um, right. and, and go into it. Now, is that always smart? I don't know. Is that always safe? No. Um, I've been in situations um, that, that I'm very much aware of. Um, that the way my brain is wired around, um, even around like that, that there's, so for example, there's grief. When I had, uh, I had a top surgery. And so when I had a double mastectomy, I had grief over losing my chest and I hated it. I hated being a triple D. That was a very painful thing. Um, and I was small um, and, and I still had grief. Um, and it's been 13 years and every once in a while, I'm like, huh, I don't regret any of it. Um, and I don't even, you know, it's like you get grief over breaking up with an abusive partner. It is a part of who we are and how we're wired. Um, and so uh, I, I will name that with that, you know, there was grief maybe around what could or what couldn't be. Um, but really as far as, I will name as far as barriers, at least um, for me, and this is really more recently barriers even, I, I mean, I also have ADHD, so I'm going to name that. Um, but I have a, have, have a really hard time with remembering to take my shots for testosterone. Um, and I, I mean, I've been on testosterone for 13 years. And so there was years where I just didn't take my shots because I couldn't remember to take them. Um, and now I'm on a, a different type of shot that is only once every 10 weeks. Um, and even that was a barrier because up until today, well, one other time, every time I get my shot is very painful and I'm in pain for days. Um, I figured I was supposed to be able to stand up, uh, but I don't have the capacity to advocate for myself at the doctors. Um, it's extremely difficult. Um, but because of my diagnosis and after talking, well, she adjusted it before that, but when I told her I thought I was autistic, she added in my notes, the things that needed to be done. Um, which was really important um, for doctors to be able to adjust 
and to make sure that they're able to advocate for you with their nurses when they're not present um, is, is huge. Um, and just really finding access to community is, can be difficult, um, can be challenging. And, and I wonder if perhaps even challenging for trans autistics to even, especially those of us who might, who, who found out later in life that we were autistic. Um, and for me, particularly those folks who maybe were in a very more conservative area or background, being connected with um, not seeing trans people, not, I mean, I, and at that time there wasn't really trans people, there wasn't trans people on TV in the 90s and early 2000s really. Um, and so for me, there was no way for me to know that, that you know, what's out there. I didn't have friends. I didn't think about that. I didn't realize that that was, you know, that people had friends, but I just, um, so yeah, I, I don't want to ramble about that, but for me, there's this, for me, there's always been a, who am I? How do I figure that out? And so in that process, it's always been just going really hard at figuring out what that is. And it has its, um, it has its repercussions um, because of me saying I'm unapologetically me. Um, right. It also, um, and sometimes it causes harm to people, not, not intentionally. Mm-hmm. I have a twin and she loves me to death now. Um, but me being trans was one of the hardest things for her originally. Um, yeah. And now it's, you know, it's, it's not a problem. Um, After this commercial break, I will continue my conversation with Enzi Tanner. Stay tuned. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at miccommunity.org. Support for today's Autistic Moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services. Today's Autistic Moment is a remarkably successful podcast because we support autistic adults. When you purchase items in the store, you help continue to provide essential information for autistic adults. Go to the store at todaysautisticmoment.com to purchase a beautiful coffee mug, a 16-ounce double-wall stainless steel vacuum bottle, or a spinner fidget. Each of these items has Today's Autistic Moments logo on them. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment. Welcome back. Let us return to my conversation with Enzi Tanner. Um, since you've been diagnosed with your autism, do you feel like um, some things that you may have wondered about in your history have finally make sense? Um, some of it, yeah. And, and some of it, yeah. I mean... A lot of it has, um, mm. and some of it I haven't even had much time to process through it. Mm. I will mm. name that I'm a part of a lot of leadership groups, um, and so actually the way I found out that I was autistic was um, 
I had a uh, actually I'll, I'll say that the, the murder of George Floyd is what put me on this journey um, mm-hmm. slash the pandemic but um, I, I am able to look back now um, at last year of noticing that I was I had a major burnout um, and I'm a social worker and so I'm used to thinking of burnout as just work burnout um, but I'm able to pinpoint that like I took two months off of work <laughs> Um, yeah. ended up just like exhausted um, and not able to do much um, and, and I'm able to pinpoint that oh that's what was happening um, but I'm in a, a fellowship with with um, other disabled Jews who are community organizers um, and those are trans another trans autistic person of color in the group um, and being in the group with them which was after I had like a major meltdown that my I had a meltdown on the phone with my therapist um, and she thought it was a, uh, she acknowledged it as a sensory overload. Um, and she thought it was a, um, I have fibromyalgia. So she thought it was related to fibromyalgia. Um, but being in this fellowship with these other folks, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've actually, I've seen myself and other people um, and I've actually understood things differently. Um, and so um, I see how that says I was in this, not the same fellowship. I was in another fellowship. Um, I got my di- my official diagnosis on the 26th. The opening retreat for this leadership was on the 26th. Um, and so I just have not even stopped and processed a ton of things um, and have made sense of some of the relationships that I've lost um, and have, um, and and understand things a little differently. I, you know, I still put my clothes on backwards sometimes, and and I used to be really frustrated about that, and now I'm just like, it's just is what it is. Once again, those are really some really great answers. I appreciate your talking about that. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about what some of um, your challenges may be with there's the autism and being um, transgender, but. Let's also just talk about some barriers that may be uh, intersecting with the fact that you're you're a person of color. Um, talk a little bit about that, please, if you feel yeah. if you feel okay with that. Yeah, no, no. So you know, I, I have a new podcast that I, I just started on intersectionality um, because I often think about the ways in which all of who I am is intersecting. Um, right. because for me, being a whole person is, is so important. Um, and so for me, you know, it's, it's fascinating and challenging and beautiful at the same time. Um, I am in so many different communities that oftentimes are isolated. And so one of the things for me and partially, I think it's, um, now I think I'm understanding it's probably related to my autism. Um, but when I, I get really frustrated at, at, at several things, but one of the challenges for me is because I'm in certain, I'm in, I'm in so many different worlds, I'm able to see things that folks would not normally otherwise see. So oftentimes we hear people say, if we were any other group, this would not happen to us. Mm-hmm. Replace the group with whatever you want to you know, replace it with. Um, and so one of the challenges for me, especially because I have this huge sense of, of justice and truth. Um, and when people say things that are just really simply able to be explained, just it's, it's hard for me. Um, and so for me, I would say one of the challenges is, is um, I think it's really easy for, for um, one of the challenges is pinpointing what's happening, I think is what I'm trying to say. One of the, when, when, when Kimberly Crenshaw coined the phrase um, intersectionality, it was a legal term to talk about um, the ways in which um, her clients who were black women um, couldn't identify, um, uh, and, and, you know, it was a lawsuit around um, racism and sexism. And the judge said, the white women did not experience this type of sexism, therefore it's not sexism. And the black men did not experience this, so it's not racism. And so intersectionality talks about like how, like, the unique experiences of, of marginalized identities. Um, and so for me, I'm, I'm oftentimes have, have stopped trying to be like, is it because of this? Is it because of that? Why is this happening? Um, and have more of, of um, 
wanted to um hmm. I think I'm not trying to fall. Take your time. Yeah. Um can you remind me of the question I'm answering? Is that right? Sure. Yeah, we're talking about barriers. And in particular, um, I was asking you regards to the barriers of the intersectionality that you're talking about, uh, you know, transgender, as well as being a person of color. And of course, your religious background, you've been talking about those a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, so yeah, so one of the biggest things is particularly as a um, you know, so as a black person, um, and, and I do, so I will name that. Um, and BIPOC space was it's 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 oftentimes fascinating because anti-blackness is so intense, oftentimes in in, in many spaces. Um, yes. But also, or and um, there's those things where, as a trans person, um, I need needles. Well, when I was taken to Sashaw, um, I needed. When I was given my own shots, I needed needles and access to certain things. Um, folks who are black are often accused or assumed to be drug addicts or users more often than not. Um, as an autistic person, now I understand, um, I have a hard time identifying my feelings, my emotions, naming what's happening. And so one of the things that I, especially as a place with fibromyalgia, um, I've had a hard time with with not being believed, um, right. and a hard time with trying to access um, the basic supports needed to access, um, particularly as a person um, who's female-bodied or partially female-bodied, um, person who is in this black um, body who doesn't know how to advocate really clearly for myself. Um, mm. it, it's um, it's all of these pieces together um that yeah. makes me um you know and, and then you add the piece of like i don't see myself as i used to be extremely skinny extremely um like accused of being anorexic and and just just small um and so on that end it was often dismissed um from the doctors because it was like you just needed to gain weight or this is that and then on the other end uh, the doctors dismissing pain and everything else because of weight um of, of being quote unquote too large and so it, our system is so flawed in mm. so many ways um that for me there are so many barriers i, I think uh, and so for me i find myself asking how do i just ignore them if i can yeah well yeah, I don't think I don't think barriers can be can really be ignored. I think they have to be um, worked with as best as we can. And um, you know, I have found that as I learn more about being autistic, then I gain some sense as to how to work through others. But that's been my experience. Um. The last question is going to be kind of interesting because of what you've been talking about advocating. And it's always, um, what are some steps that autistic adults and our supporters need to take to advocate for our needs? And, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, you've been talking about how that has been difficult for you. And so um, before I interject and talk about that a little bit more, um, are there any ways that you have discovered of how to advocate for yourself that you have found to be successful or have been helpful in other ways that maybe has have not been. I know that you've done some advocating work with Outfront Minnesota. I believe I've seen that somewhere in your profiles and mm. I know the people over at Outfront Minnesota very well. Um, so um, can you talk a little bit about um, some of your experiences about advocating and maybe some ideas that you might want to share? Yeah. Um, one of the things about advocating that's hilarious to me is um, I'm a licensed social worker. Um, mm -hmm. I was a youth advocate for a long time. I'm really good at advocating for other people. Really great at it. Um, what have I figured out for myself? I have not figured it out too well. It is a challenge. Um, so the biggest thing that I found 
for me is having people who I trust and support um, and, and who I trust and who I know support me um, that will be willing to advocate for me um, when needed. Um, I, even when taking my current job as a community organizer, um, it was really important for me that my rabbi was in constant communication with me um, to make sure that I had the emotional support needed. Um, and right. also to make sure that um, someone is paying attention and watching out. And so like she advocates for me in times where I don't know that I need to be advocated for. Um, and so um, for me, I think really what it is is, is community. Um, and and not I, that's one of the places I have immense privilege in. Um, I have I have community um, that uh, right. cares about me and, and loves me, and, and perhaps that's part of the being a you know a, having been. I used to be. I'm on the periphery of so many different groups, um, and have just I guess butterflied around or whatever. But um, my my community um, are the ones who who helps me with that. I'm trying to figure out more. I think as I learn more and as I understand uh, what's happening, um, I've lost a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, I'm thinking now, like really, how do I advocate for myself once I know what's good and what's right for me to, to operate with? Right. After this final commercial break, I will conclude my talk with NZ Tanner followed by today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Stay tuned. GT Independence is a national leader in financial management services for self-directed in-home and community-based long-term support. With self-direction, you have the right to live the life you choose, regardless of age or ability, in your own home or community. At GT Independence, our job is to help make self-direction easy. With self-direction, you make all the important choices, like who to hire, when to schedule support, how to manage your care, and even who to fire if things aren't working out. We take care of the administrative details, including Medicaid waivers, new employee paperwork, taxes, and paychecks. Founded in 2004, GT Independence is a disability-owned business that's proud to have assisted more than 25,000 people in receiving self-directed care from the safety of their own homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. By removing the increased risk of group living settings, self-directed care saved lives. To learn more about GT Independence and how to self-direct care in your state, visit www.gtindependence.com. Today's Autistic Moment continues our first summer season with some exciting episodes coming up. On July 5th, Autistic Adults and Financial Planning with my guest Andrew Comoro, the founder and owner of Planning Across the Spectrum Financial Planning Services. Andrew is an autistic diagnosed in his adult years. Andrew will talk about what financial planning is and give some expert advice for autistics who find financial planning so confusing. On July 19th, Autistic Adults Media Portrayal or Betrayal, Nicola Whiting is my guest to talk about the mixed reactions autistic adults have when responding to how we are portrayed in the media. Many autistics feel that the media allows neurotypicals to further stereotype and marginalize autistics. Nicola and I will discuss these and other issues for autistics and the media. On June 9th, Lyric Holmans will be my guest on the episode Autistic Adults and Gaslighting. 
Lyric is an autistic adult known as the neurodivergent rebel. According to Jeanette Perkis in her book Autism Books and Other Things, gaslighting is when someone tries to make you question your beliefs and reality and essentially question your sanity. It is a nasty form of aggression and a common weapon of abusers and narcissists. Lyric and I will talk more about what gaslighting is and how autistics can recognize it and self-advocate to help stop it. Unfortunately, Dr. Teresa Regan is not able to join me for the show previously planned for August 23rd. Dr. Regan will be my guest in a future show about autistic adults and communicating with medical professionals. However, you will not want to miss the show on August 23rd because Zephyr James from the Autism Society of Minnesota will join me to talk about autistic adults and interdependence. Interdependence, in its simplest definition, is the fact of depending on each other. Zephyr is Awesome's Community Engagement Manager who is undertaking this new project. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. Welcome back as we finish up our talk with N.C. Tanner. Following that, today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Well, um, if you've listened to other episodes, you know that my recommendations for self-advocacy is, and you've just kind of started on this journey um, for yourself, but is to become the expert about your autism, your own brand, make, and model. Um, because when you know your autism as well as you do, then you know what, what it is you're advocating for. And number two, that you become the expert about um, explaining or talking about your particular brand, make, and model of autism. And then the, the third part that I always name is how important it is that you and other autistics uh, a varied gender identities, sexual orientations, wherever you come from in this neurodiversity, uh, in your race, in your, in your life, your work, whatever it is, that you tell your stories about what being autistic means for you. And storytelling is the kind of thing that happens not just by, you know, talking about a particular example of how, of something, but also as you fidget, as you, you know, go through those moments when it's difficult to advocate for your doctor with your, do- with your doctor, or those times when it's, when you're trying to advocate for yourself with an employer or trying to advocate for yourself or talk about your experiences with family and friends and other autistics. That's part of how autistic adults tell our stories. And that's part of self-advocacy. Um, you know, the other thing that I would share with you and with uh, many other others who are listening is that there is a fantastic network that I inv- I want to suggest to many of you. It's called the Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network. It is an it is um, an online group of people who. Um, talk about women's issues and also about transgender, especially for non-binary individuals. Uh, one of the speakers uh, or individuals connected through them is um, Lydia Brown, and they are a fantastic speaker about the subjects of race and sexual orientation, as well as autism. You know, Lydia is just, just amazing. And so um, part of self-advocacy is also networking with other autistics um, across the board who are part of experiences similar. Um, So, um, and I can also tell you that the 
autistic community on LinkedIn, for example, as well as on Twitter, um, where there's a lot of transgender as well as non-binary is quite big. There's a really big community. There are big communities there um, that are interacting. Um, so um, that would be, those would be my suggestions for you and for other autistics, um, you know, and I've also been talking quite a bit about how that word queer has really been becoming used by many. Um, can you talk a little bit about for me what the word queer means for you? Of how do, how does how do you identify with that word? Yeah, I identify as queer. Um, I've been identifying as that for a very long time. Um, I was raised by Southerners. Um, I, I'm not from the South. People, people in Minnesota identify as Missouri as the South, but it's not. Um, but I, 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 I definitely identify as queer. Um, for me, it's 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 a more expensive term. Um, it's also a political term. It's not just, um, um, it's not just about who I love and how I love and how do other things. Um, it's it's also about political analysis. Um, for me, the way in which I look at uh, queer uh, liberation, um, it is um, for me personally, especially for me, it's rooted in, in understanding uh, Stonewall and the Pride movement as an uprising, as a rebellion. Um, and so, uh, and it's also a little bit about reclaiming. Um, I remember um, I've, I've done lots of activism um, and about in 2008, 2009, um, I was traveling around down south. I, I did the, this thing called the Equality Ride. Um, and I remember, um, What's the crap? Take your time. Oh, queer. Okay. I'm like, where were we going? So I remember uh, people people yelled at us. Lots of really, um, it was I was doing nonviolent direct civil disobedience. Um, it was in jail. Was put in jail during that time as well for um, active. It was. I was advocating for LGBTQ plus queer students on college campuses that could that the campuses had uh, policies that didn't allow them to attend or they had to do reparative therapy if they did. Um, and so I remember one of those times where people was yelling at us and calling us all kinds of names. Um, and the one word when they finally said queer, I remember we all laughed. I was like, you finally got one correct. Um, which is interesting because there are some spaces where at my age, it's a very, that term is a very mixed term, right? It's one of those things where some folks right, right above my age, it's like, this is really, really hard. And I've seen folks um, older than me who's like, nope, I'm embracing it. This is, this is who yeah. I am. Um, but it's one of those terms where I will say particularly, um, especially for folks who are not queer identified or not a part of the LGBTQ plus community, um, to, to follow the lead of other people that you're in community with when it comes to that term of queer. Um, because for me, for example, I identify as a Black American. I'm totally okay with being identified um, as Black. And some folks may not be okay with that. Um, and so likewise with queer, I, I'm queer. I identify as queer. Um, and it's such a hard term, but because it's also I have a complex history and a traumatic history, um, I, for me, it's important for folks to know to not just call people queer um, and not to use that term unless that's the community that you're in and or you're following the lead of people in that community that you're with at that time. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Um, I was, I myself was born in 1969 and, and for me that that particular term has uh, has usually been used derogatorily so um i respect everybody who uses that term i personally prefer not to use it towards myself anyway um but anyway but yes those are really great answers well nc this has been a really great conversation today i think that you have definitely shared a wealth of information that our listeners will definitely appreciate and and take to heart 
Um, so I want to num- I want to uh, in addition to thanking you, I want to congratulate you on on being diagnosed and beginning that journey for yourself. And um, I think that over time, um, you are you will learn some things about yourself that you probably never quite understood, but they'll finally make sense a little bit. And um, I'm hoping that that journey will really um, help you gain um, a new sense of self that uh, you never thought you could have. So I hope that, yeah. So, so thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. On July 15th, from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., the Multicultural Autism Network, MAN, and the Autism Society of Minnesota are partnering with Hennepin Healthcare to offer a free, sensory-friendly COVID-19 vaccine clinic for ages 12 and up at the Autism Society of Minnesota's office located at 2380 Wycliffe Street in Suite 201 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Zip code is 55114. The Pfizer two-dose vaccine for ages 12 and up will be offered, and the single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine will be available. Oromo, Somali, and Spanish interpreters will be available at the clinic. Go to AUSM.org to make an appointment. Join the Autism Society of Minnesota for an online weekend challenge, July 17th to the 18th, 2021. You are invited to participate in the second annual Community Unity Challenge. Connect with friends and family, get creative, share kindness, all while having some quirky scavenger hunt type of fun. The Autism Society of Minnesota is seeking speakers for the fourth annual Autistic Community Summit, an event by Autistics for Autistics. Share your expertise on autistic identity, community, and supports in a one-hour breakout session. See the full application form at AUSM.org. If you have any questions for me, please send an email to P-K-L-O-W-E at todaysautisticmoment.com. Please follow Today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult.